Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Here ends the Gospel reading. As we stand, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, open our eyes and minds to the truth of your word. And help us to see clearly who you are and why you came. So we pray by your spirit, change us for your namesake. Amen. Do have a seat. And uh, do turn to that reading from Luke chapter 18, verse 35, on page 878. And so to Jesus' healing of a blind beggar. And my first point by way of introduction this morning is... Do you see? That's what the crowd at a football match hours after at yesterday said to the referee lots and lots of times. Do you see? Not quite in those words, but do you see? As Christmas approaches, we're looking at Luke's account of Jesus going up to and entering Jerusalem as the very first Easter approaches. Why, some of you ask? Don't you know what time of year it is? Well, one reason why is because Jesus was born to die. He was born at Christmas to die at Easter, to rescue us from our sin, which separates us from God, to rise from the dead, bringing eternal life, and to ascend into heaven and then send the Holy Spirit to change us and empower us. Do you see? You might or might not have your physical sight, but do you really see? Do you see the truth about Jesus and how you should respond to him? You see, Jesus' journey to Jerusalem began Back in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, where we read this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up to heaven, he set his face. He set out resolutely to go to Jerusalem. I don't know if you've ever set out resolutely to go somewhere, perhaps with the St. Joseph's walking group, or a longer hike with the aim of reaching the summit to achieve a personal goal, or with the aim of getting to that breathtaking viewpoint to achieve uh, and capture it for posterity on camera. 
or to get on in your work to win the praise of your colleagues. You knew where you were going and why, and you weren't going to turn back. Jesus knew why he was going to Jerusalem. And it wasn't for the sake of personal achievement or for the view from the Mount of Olives and certainly not for the cheers of the crowds. No, he was going there resolutely not to be served, but to give his life as a ransom for many. He was going to take the punishment you and I deserve for our rebellion against God. He was going to suffer and die for you and me, for our forgiveness, and to bring us to God. He was going to be rejected by his own, mocked, insulted, spat on, flogged, and handed over to the Gentiles to be killed, and then rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. Yet he was going to Jerusalem knowingly and willingly to fulfill Scripture and the will of his Father for our sake, for you and for me, for the sake of the lost. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was going up to Jerusalem. Do you see? Remember what we looked at from Luke 18, verse 31, two weeks ago. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man, or Jesus, by the prophets, will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spat upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. For you and for me. Do you see? Next Sunday, we'll see from the next section of Luke that Jesus says to Zacchaeus, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Namely, me. And you. Do you see? Now, some of you here this morning might be thinking, hang on, Jonathan. What is Jesus saying? I don't understand. Jesus says that he's going to Jerusalem, even though he knows all these terrible things are going to happen to him there, and then be raised back to life. Why? What was the point? And all this because I'm lost? Well, you might be, but I'm not. Well, look at verse 34. Jesus' followers didn't see or understand either. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. They couldn't grasp at this point that Jesus, the Messiah, would suffer and die. They only really understood after the cross and resurrection. Luke in chapter 24 says that their eyes and minds were opened as Jesus appeared to them and explained the scriptures to them. Well, he can open your eyes and minds today by his Holy Spirit 
as you hear the Bible explained and as you begin to meet Jesus as he walks off the pages of Luke's gospel. It's what happened to David Suchet, the actor who plays Poirot on TV. He discovered that as he read the gospels from a Gideon's Bible in the bath in his hotel room, his eyes and mind were opened and he put his faith in Jesus as his personal savior and Lord. His life began to change as he started to follow Jesus. And it happened to me and to many of you. My eyes and mind were opened by God to the truth of Jesus. As I was reading from Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And as I read that verse, it was as if a light had been turned on in my head. I could now see Christ died for me. Suddenly everything clicked. I knew that I had to accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord. He loved me and he died for me. He paid the price for my sin so that I could have a relationship with God forever. I was lost but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's the amazing grace of Jesus. Here at St. Joseph's, some people's eyes and minds have been opened as they've read the Gospels and discussed them at Christianity Explored. So if you've got questions, make sure you're on the next course. You see, one of the things we learn from the healing of the blind beggar here is the use of the means of God's grace. God uses means. Look at verses 35 to 39. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. If you're seeking, asking questions, wanting to know the truth, and have your eyes and mind opened to see Jesus and the salvation, the new life and the eternal life that he offers then like the blind beggar who sat by the roadside, rather than, that, rather than hiding himself away, put yourself where you can meet Jesus. Read a gospel. Get along to church where God's word is taught and discussed. To Christianity Explored, to a women's Bible study group, to the Middle Eastern Ministries group, to a midweek group, to Sunday services. And be persistent in this. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask him to open your eyes and your mind. Ask him to have mercy on you, as the blind beggar did. Do you see? Jesus' disciples were still spiritually blind at this point to what was about to happen to Jesus and why. Which brings us now to zoom in on Jesus' contrasting encounter 
with the blind beggar who truly sees, and later with Zacchaeus who wanted to see who Jesus was. So, the blind beggar who sees is my next point. In 2011, I had the privilege of visiting India and preaching at Holy Trinity Church in Chennai, which was formerly Madras. I was also invited to a Christian center for the blind, who were also very poor. If it wasn't for that center, they would have been beggars. They love Jesus, and they love meeting together and eating together. They love singing and hearing the Bible taught. Their leader, who is also blind, has the most amazing singing voice. They are full of faith and joy. And they can't wait for heaven. But they're not so heavenly minded that they're no earthly use. No, they make items to sell, they feed the poor, and they share the good news with others who are blind. But what keeps them going ultimately is the hope that they have through faith in Jesus Christ. They may be physically blind and have nothing materially, but they can truly see. And therefore they are spiritually rich, which is the most important thing. This blind beggar in Luke also sees spiritual reality very clearly. He sees who Jesus is and that the son of David or the Messiah can heal him. God is already at work in this humble man, enabling him to see these truths. In verse 37, the crowd tell him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And his response is to immediately call out to Jesus, believing that Jesus can help him. Verse 38, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd rebuked him and told him to be quiet, told him to shut up. Verse 39, they just see him as someone who's annoying or unworthy. But he persists, which is a mark of his faith in Jesus. Verse 39, he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And his humble appeal echoes the humility of the tax collector and the child of faith earlier in this chapter. And he contrasts strongly with the rich ruler back in verses 18 to 30, who had everything materially, but saw nothing. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, verse 24. The blind beggar has nothing, but sees so well. He's totally dependent on Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he cries out. Who this morning sees their need to humble themselves before God and cry out to Jesus in faith, have mercy on me. If you do, don't let others put you off and don't think God's not interested in you even if the world thinks of you as a nobody or as someone who's just annoying 
No. He who humbles himself, says Jesus back in verse 14 of this chapter, will be exalted or lifted up. He who cries out to Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner, will be justified or declared not guilty or be just as if I'd never sinned before God because of Jesus. You see, as Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, we are not justified or declared not guilty by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. He hears those who cry out to him in faith. Do you see? And Jesus heard this blind beggar cry out to him in faith. Look at verse 40. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. In the original, in verse 42, it says, Your faith has saved you. So there's a double meaning here. He receives physical healing, but also salvation, new life, eternal life, through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, it's not that you've just got to have faith, as George Michael once sung, but faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see? Verse 43, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. If we cry out to Jesus to be saved from our spiritual blindness and sin, then his response is immediate. And you can turn to Jesus today, even in this very moment, as you're sitting hearing this talk. And he will respond if you cry out to him in faith. And that's the greatest miracle. He doesn't always take our physical difficulties away this side of heaven. As with those blind believers in India. But he does want us to truly see. Taking away our spiritual blindness and sin is far more important than any physical problem to Jesus because it affects where we're going to spend eternity that's not to say we shouldn't bring our needs to him of course we should he cares for you he has the authority and the power but often his purposes are different to ours which we can't always see at the time also, here in Luke chapter 18, Jesus' healing of the man's blindness points the crowd to who he really is, to God the Son, the Messiah, and the Savior. Getting Jesus' identity right is vital if we're going to relate to him in the right way, as this blind beggar did. Do you see? So what do you want King Jesus to do for you today?
This man can now see in every sense. And in response to what Jesus has done for him, he follows Jesus, giving thanks to God. As he received his sight, new light and life have dawned. And he's full of thankfulness as he follows Christ. Does thankfulness to God mark our walk with Jesus Christ? He's changed us and is changing us if we're trusting in him. Praise God. The man, a poor social outcast, is changed. And even the crowd's attitude is changed. Look at verse 43. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Truly seeing Jesus means being transformed, which helps others to be transformed too. So how should you and I respond after receiving God's mercy? Well, look again at verse 43. Well, as I've already mentioned, when the blind beggar received his sight, both physically and spiritually, he followed Jesus, glorifying God. And that's to be the aim of the rest of our lives as we respond to Jesus. To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Yes, it's not always easy. This man, this blind beggar, had already experienced some opposition back in verse 39. But that didn't bother him. He was willing to trust Jesus, whatever anybody else thought. He knew for himself that Christ is worth following. You see, he could now say, I was blind, but now I see. So what about us? If we can say the same spiritually, then surely we'll be grateful and want to follow Christ, whatever the cost. But the question is, are we? You see, grateful love will lead to real obedience to Jesus. We won't take up our cross and tell the world of our faith in Jesus and live for him unless we know and feel that we're indebted to him for our pardon, for our peace, for our purpose, and our hope. You may have been a Christian a long time. But are you full of faith and joy? Perhaps we need to examine ourselves or take a spiritual health check. Are we seeing clearly and truly believing and trusting in and following Christ? Even if we make mistakes sometimes. Whom do you follow? What are the great ambitions you live for? You see, the one who has real hope in Jesus may always be known by the direction of his or her life and their fruit. Please don't waste your life. Step out in faith with Jesus. Do you see? Let's pray together.
And let's respond to Jesus ourselves now in just a moment of quiet prayer. And then we're going to sing together in a great hymn of response. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 